is an Odyssey original. This is the War in Ukraine Daily. I'm Charles Feldman. And I'm Mike Simpson from the KNX Odyssey Studios in Los Angeles. Today, Russia's new offensive in the eastern part of Ukraine officially underway. The global economy is expected to take a major hit this year because of the war. And a Ukrainian photographer taking pictures of areas around Kiev, formerly occupied by the Russians. We start with the new phase of the war in Ukraine. After failing to take the capital, Russia now focusing on the eastern Donbass region. Robert English, director of Central European Studies at USC, Seems like Russia's new goal is to take over this uh, eastern parts of Ukraine. That is correct. Um, they've already carved out part of that with the separatist um, Donetsk and Luhansk mini states, separatist states going back to 2014. And now they're trying to enlarge those, probably doubling the territory they have in that eastern region. And I don't think they can do much more than that. And it's, of course, still at issue how successful they'll be here. They have the preponderance of power. But the Ukrainians have the preponderance of spirit and dedication. And I, my, my guess is the Russians will take some additional territory at very high cost. And after another two or three weeks of fighting, uh, we'll see a ceasefire. And that's where it will end. Yeah. What do people need to prepare themselves for over those few weeks? Because as bad as it's been so far, I mean, there were plenty of, of, of the watchers and commentators saying this is the actual war. What we're going to see over these over these few weeks is is going to be bloody. Yeah, this is the climax. The Russians lost the Battle of Kiev. They did gain some territory um, inland from Crimea. And now they're trying to link up firmly Crimea with the entire Donbass region in this final battle. This will be the biggest and the culminating one. Um, we know that the Russians can lose, meaning that they will expend enormous resources. They will lose thousands more soldiers. They will have half of their remaining tanks and armored personnel carriers destroyed by drones and Ukrainian um, artillery and counter-artillery. And yet Putin will still proclaim victory. He controls his society. He controls the media. And it seems like he's aiming at May, uh, May 9th this anniversary of the end of World War II as a kind of victory day for this war as well. But is it, regardless of, of how uh, Putin decides to uh, characterize it to his own people, would it in the end potentially be a draw? Uh, by that, I mean, if Russia essentially controls enough of the eastern part of Ukraine, which is an industrial base, right? It's, an, it's a, a real significant part of the economy of Ukraine, right? If, if Russia can manage to control it, essentially control it anyway, if not if not every single inch of the territory, uh, could he not claim victory, Putin, for that? And on the same token, Zelensky can say, yeah, but he didn't get Kiev and the western portion of the country is intact. So we were victorious. Isn't it a draw? I think that's a really good way of putting it. Um, but I would add one more. Uh, I would shade it a little bit in the pro-Ukrainian direction, in that this is not the industrial heartland of Ukraine. You're right. It's the former industrial heartland. But this is where you have coal mines, right, which are less and less productive and have less and less place with modern industry and, you know, renewable technology. This is where you have the old steel industry where they build locomotives and turbines. But those factories have either been destroyed already or they've lost their markets 
and it's kind of on hold. And that's before the shells start flying and the Battle of Donbass is about to be joined. I expect it will be shattered. And instead of being an industrial prize, it will be a, a pit that needs billions to rebuild. So um, I think that Zelensky and the Ukrainian side will say, you know, we did pretty damn well to stand up to the Russians and the little strip of territory they gained at enormous cost um, isn't really worth that much. We have the heartland of our country. We have where our Ukrainian people have always lived. Those regions were heavy with Russian speakers. Maybe it's not the worst outcome. We don't have to spend billions trying to rebuild this restive separatist region anyway. It's now Putin's headache. I know this is this is blasphemy the way I'm speaking, <laughs> but this is how wars end. And you're right. It's a draw, but it's a draw that tilts in Ukraine's favor, because when a little guy stands up and bloodies the nose of a big guy and fights him off, that's a victory. Robert English, top Russia experts at USC. The International Monetary Fund says the world economy will grow at about half the rate it did last year, and the war in Ukraine is to blame. And this comes as much of the world is still trying to recover from the damage done by the pandemic. The inflation we're all dealing with here to stay, at least for a little while. David Wilcox, senior economist at the Peterson Institute for International Economics. David, how much of what we're seeing right now is related to the war? Absolutely. Most of the ripple effects are showing up in the form of higher prices, uh, including at the gasoline pump and at the grocery store. Ukraine is a a major source of grains and other agricultural products uh, for countries around the world, and the conflict is pushing up those prices. And the possibility that the Europeans may ban the importation of Russian oil and natural gas is pushing up energy prices. Is anybody going out on the limb and predicting recession? Here in the U.S., I think the possibility of this event pushing us into recession is relatively remote. The main problem we have in the U.S. is uh, that the economy is actually running a little too hot. So that's why the Federal Reserve is moving to raise interest rates. Um, If this is another source of slowing in the economy, Uh, Nobody would welcome the suffering, the human tragedy that comes with it, but uh, it will make actually the Fed's job a little easier. For the Europeans, the consideration is really quite different. Their economy is not as strong as ours, and they're much more directly affected by the conflict. Yeah, whatever happens here is going to be much worse there. And, and the links, especially to Russia, they are a lot stronger, as, as plenty of people have discussed before. That's correct. Uh, Russia is represents a much more uh, important trading partner for the Europeans. Of course, there are several countries there, as, been, as has been widely discussed, that depend critically on Russian uh, oil and natural gas, uh, Germany being the leading example. But it, globalization, as you know, is so now deeply rooted How do you really keep that contagion from spreading? So if we don't initially have a recession here, but say you have a recession in in a Western European country, um, or maybe even China, uh, I mean, their numbers aren't doing as well now either, right? Uh, How do we avoid then not getting sort of sucked into that downward whirlpool? We will feel the effects. You're absolutely right. Uh, But again, we're starting from a position of tremendous economic strength. The unemployment rate at the moment is 
back near a 50-year low, uh, and inflation is too high. So uh, right now, if anything, the predominant problem with respect to the strength of the economy in the U.S. is that it's running a little too hot. Uh, the bigger issue here is that this is likely to be one more event in the wrong direction on the inflation front. We're coming out of 12 months here where time after time, factor after factor has pushed the inflation rate up. This, uh, this horrendous war is having another push in that same direction. How much are the potential food shortage problems now being noticed or talked about more? Because it's all started with, with gas prices and energy, right? And then people started to remember, like, as you mentioned, breadbasket, and not only for prices and what you buy and, and, and ship out to other countries, but also humanitarian aid just for, for people in, in countries that need the help. They can't get the food now from Ukraine. Yeah, the the worst effects are going to be actually felt in the poorer countries around the world. Ukraine is a supplier of grains to many third world countries, uh, and their food security situation is going to be really adversely affected. As you suggest, food markets around the world really are global in nature. And so when other countries have a harder time supplying themselves, they drive up uh, prices, and we'll see some of that at home. That effect will be relatively small. The bigger effect for us on the price front will be with respect to oil. And there, the big shoe to drop, the big question is, will the uh, Europeans impose a blanket ban on importation of Russian oil? Let me briefly circle back to the Fed, because... The you know, and we've asked this question of many people before in this show. How much can we count on the Fed, Federal Reserve, doing the right thing on this? I mean, they have a kind of spotty record historically uh, in getting it right. Well, monetary policy is a messy business. And if you're looking for perfection, it's not the line of work you should get into. Um, no, that's why I'm in this line. <laughs> so. <laughs> Imagine how bad things would be if he was on the other side. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, what, uh, what they're aiming to do is something that historically has been quite difficult, and that is to uh, take inflation out of the economy without creating a, a recession. I think there's a pathway to success in that endeavor. Um, if we can get the virus behind us, if we can get the economy looking more normal so that, for example, people feel comfortable going back to restaurants to the same extent, doing leisure and travel to the same extent as before, that's going to reduce some pressure on our supply chains. And that'll mean that there should be some lower pressure on uh, the prices of goods. That's where the main inflation problem has been over the past year or so. If that happens, that'll make the Fed's job a whole lot easier in bringing inflation down because it will imply that the Fed won't have to crush the economy in order to control inflation. David Wilcox, senior economist, Peterson Institute for International Economics and Bloomberg Economics. Coming up right after a short break, Russian ground forces have pulled out of the areas around Ukraine's capital. What did they leave behind? 
Russia may be repositioning its military to focus on eastern Ukraine, but the troops left a lot of damage behind in areas where they have withdrawn. Anton's a photographer, lives in Kiev. We last spoke to him after hearing reports of what happened in Bucha a couple weeks ago. We understand you've since taken pictures of other areas that were occupied by the Russians. Uh, yes, I traveled uh, a few cities more after the Bucha. I've been in places uh, where Russia troops um, had a temporary headquarters uh, and uh, they abandoned most of them. Uh, and I visited those places and uh, traveled with the sappers and engineers uh, who was disarming the mines and uh, shells that didn't explode. What were some of those places like? What did they leave behind i mean stories we've heard from other people and and have seen you know the images of when they do clear out they they loot they just they take everything they can and then they leave these these cities and towns barren uh yes uh, they loot uh, everything they can uh they collect in their uh, st- uh, stuff that they looted and stash uh, in some basements or other places and uh, the civilians uh after they leave uh, left, uh, they start uh, looking for for this stuff, and uh, yes, they left uh, a lot of tanks, a lot of APCs, uh, undamaged even, and of course, uh, some of their uh, dead friends. Of course, as you know uh, all too well, Anton, wars are are comprised of individual battles, and some one side wins, some the other side wins. What's the sense that you're getting as you travel around taking pictures of the mood of the country now? Because since the last time we did speak a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there were significant uh, wins for Ukraine. Uh, the Russians didn't manage, of course, to get Kiev. But there are, are some significant uh, wins for the Russians in the eastern part of the country. What's the general mood now? Uh, it's still unchanged. Uh, the people are fighting and uh, the people are optimistic about uh, the war that is going on because we are still uh, thinking that we will win this war and believe in it. Uh, me personally, I uh, my opinion is that uh, we have um, more things to come, uh, but... Um, uh, I still think that we will win. Yeah. How hard is it to stay and, and keep that optimism? I mean, in the face of, of what we are expecting and what you're expecting over the next couple of weeks, I mean, this battle for the East, you, you say it, the mood is unchanged, but it has to be on your mind that this, this next phase is, is, is starting to happen. Yes, it's already begun. Uh, it's uh, just uh, the uh, the Ukrainian forces and the Russian military forces are changing with the um, artillery fire uh, to each other in this state. But uh, the main battle is yet to come. Well, it's pretty hard because I think we have we will have uh, some casualties, and I think it will be um, pretty. Pretty much, pretty big casualties, I think. But uh, Russia will lose more uh, than just men. They will lose this war eventually.
Well, I was going to ask, when you say that you're confident that Ukraine will win, what your definition of win is. Uh, if the Russians, for example, uh, manage to, to take a significant portion uh, of the eastern part, certainly the areas that uh, have been in dispute uh, since 2014, if they manage to solidify their control over that and perhaps add some other places like Mariupol, uh, and yet the western portion of the country where you are remains free of Russian uh, interference and control. Is that still a win? Well, of course not. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, this won't come to this. Uh, uh, apparently, uh, we did, do not have uh, the circumstances uh, in this direction uh, that we will lose the eastern part of our country uh, the bad uh, the worst outcome of this uh, conflict uh, the worst that i think it will be completely losing the donbas region uh, but i still think that it won't happen since we last talked, has there been anything that, that really affected you in the moment? I remember last time when you were going to Bucha and, and you were going to go ask people about what they had seen and what they experienced. There were some people and you said that they insisted first that they feed you, that they give you some food. They were in a tent cooking on the street because yes. the home was burned out. And you said, you know, here these people are with, with no place to live and, and they're offering me some food, which just speaks everything to, I think it was to those. Bo- I think it was Borscht. Yeah, it? yeah. 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 Yes. It just, yeah. that says everything about those people and how they're hanging on. Uh, yes, they're hanging out pretty well. Uh, I met some uh, old woman in the Motizhan village. Uh, it's west from Kiev. Uh, some volunteers offered uh, some food to her and uh, she refused, uh, saying that she got anything that she needs. Uh, but uh, in the same time, behind her back, her house was completely destroyed. Uh, this contrast is just, uh, I don't know the word, astonishing. Um, yes. Uh, in the coming weeks, I am, will travel to Chernihiv. It's uh, the city of north uh, from, Ukraine, uh, from Kiev. Uh, it's about uh, 70% destroyed uh, uh, during the bombing. Uh, and I will see to it how the things there anton thank you for speaking to us and we do hope that we can speak again and stay safe he's a photographer there we, we spoke to him a couple weeks ago yeah. and uh and hope to in the future anton thank you lots of americans are wondering what they can do to help ukraine right now one american in particular is going above and beyond malcolm nance is a counterterrorism expert and former msnbc analyst Well, he decided to join the fight on the ground with the International Legion of Territorial Defense. During a recent interview, Nan said, The more I saw the war going on, the more I thought, I'm done talking. It's time to take action. This is an Odyssey original. Find us and others on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Stitcher.